I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. San Francisco voters have been unusually busy this year. Residents have already participated in three elections in 2022, the recall in February that ousted three school board members, the special election for state assembly in April, and let's not forget about that contentious election in June, which resulted in the recall of District Attorney Chesa Boudin. And now the big one is coming up on November 8th. As the city has come under attack for its seemingly unmanageable problems, including crime, public safety, and homelessness, Mayor Lennon Breed has taken a more moderate stance. That's also been reflected in the people she has appointed to fill the seats left vacant by the recent recalls. Now, the fates of five breed appointees are in the hands of voters this November. That includes controversial school board member Ann Shu and current district attorney Brooke Jenkins. A recent Chronicle poll suggests that breed's popularity has plummeted over the past two years. Less than a quarter of San Franciscans believe the mayor has done an excellent or good job of improving the city. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Mallory Mensch joins me to chat about how the upcoming November election matters a lot for Breed, even though she's not on the ballot. How residents vote on local measures and the future of her appointees will say a lot about the city's political future over the next few years, as well as Breed's. Mallory Mensch, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So, Mallory, Mayor Lyndon Breed's name isn't on the November ballot, but the upcoming election is consequential for her. Why? What's at stake? Well, Mayor Breed has had a busy year in terms of appointments to different vacancies for elected officials, mostly because we've had unprecedented historic recalls. So we had the school board recall, which meant that Breed appointed three school board members who are now all up for election. She also appointed a replacement for a recall district attorney, Chase Boudin, and she also appointed a supervisor in District 6. There's also a lot of ballot measures on for November. And these address different changes in city law and in the city charter and center on different policy issues, some of which are really contentious. A lot of these issues could be a litmus test for the direction that the city moves in. We'll get into some of these contentious ballot measures in just a bit. And Mallory, before we dive in, I want to bring up some scrutiny that Mayor Breed recently faced since there is so much at stake for her as she faces re-election. It was over her practice of requiring some of her appointees to sign undated resignation letters. Breed has since said she'll stop doing it after a recent uproar, but Let's break it down. What exactly was the practice and why did some leaders, including Supervisor Dean Preston, call it an abuse of power? So the specific practice was that Breed required some of her appointees to boards and commissions, and these are bodies that oversee different city departments, such as the police department. She required some of them to sign undated letters of resignation when they joined. So the letters basically say that the person is stepping down, they sign them, but they are undated and they are open-ended. So they could be used at any time. The mayor's office said that they were never used for this purpose, but they could be used in the event of an emergency or someone has abandoned their duties or commits corruption and they need them to step down. 
critics said that this showed that the mayor was inappropriately manipulating her appointees. So this could be something that could be held over their head in case they didn't align with her policies politically. They also saw it as a way to run around the board of supervisors because under city law, some of these appointees, such as to the commission overseeing the police department, but if the mayor wants to remove them, she has to go back to the board of supervisors and get their consent to do that. So it was an open question of whether the mayor could uh, actually enforce these letters and maybe even make people resign without their consent and without the board of supervisors consent. We don't quite know because it never happened, but the city attorney came out and said, you should not be doing this, asking people to sign these letters. They likely wouldn't be enforced in court anyways, so they were ineffective. And the mayor decided to change that policy, and she rescinded the 40 that were already out there that commissioners had already signed. So even though Breed has ended the practice, it does bring into question her influence over her appointees. And speaking of appointees, did she require that practice of her most recent appointees who are running for office in November? She did not. And they said that this practice was only required for commissioners. So those appointed to commissions or boards. And as I said, there were 40 commissioners who did sign these letters. And they said that the mayor had made nearly 300 appointments to boards and commissions since she was elected into office. And the five people who are running for election for the first time in November were all appointed to elected official vacancies. So they were not asked to sign and nor did they sign any of these letters. Okay, so Breed didn't ask her appointees running in November to sign the letters. That could make them a target for critics in the upcoming election. There might be this perception that they're Breed loyalists. We also know there is high dissatisfaction with Breed's leadership in the city Does the appointee's relationship with Breed hurt them in the election? I've heard a mixed report from a number of political consultants and experts that I've spoken to on this. Some say that if voters are disgruntled with the mayor or how the city is running, they may take that out on the ballot because they don't have a chance to vote on her, but they do have a chance to vote on appointees who are pushing her policies or reflect on her. This recent issue with the letters is also a chance for opponents and critics to pounce and adds fuel to the fire that some uh, opponents have already been criticizing the mayor's appointees for being her puppets or saying that they are not independent. But other experts that I spoke to said that voters don't really always make that direct connection. They're going to be voting based on their own ideologies or their own experiences. So while this certainly doesn't help those appointees, most said that they don't think this will be a a determining factor for them. More with Mallory Mensch after a quick break. She'll break down what's on the ballot, including why the fate of current District Attorney Brooke Jenkins matters for Breed's political future. Mallory Mench, let's get into some of Breed's appointees on the ballot, starting with someone who might be the highest stakes test for the mayor. That's District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, who replaced Chase Abudin after he was recalled. And her tougher on crime policies have been pretty controversial. If she doesn't end up winning, what would that mean for Breed? Well, as someone uh, I spoke with said, it would be a reputation of Breed's policies. She has really pushed and made public safety and this 
so-called balance between criminal justice reform and holding people who commit crimes accountable. Um, she has made that one of her top issues, and she chose a district attorney right now, Brooke Jenkins, who was involved in the recall of Chase Boudin and mm-hmm. has pretty much repeated all of the same talking points. So if Jenkins does lose this, especially if she loses to a far more progressive candidate that would be more similar to Chase Boudin, we would pretty much be back to the place that we were earlier this year, or the last two years, uh, where you see Breed and the police and the district attorney at odds and a lot of debate about um, how to fix these problems uh, in the city. And which other appointees on the ballot are also worth keeping an eye out in the weeks to come? We do have the school board race. And as we learned earlier this year, those can definitely be contentious. And one of Breed's appointees in particular, Anne Shu, she uh, has come under fire because of some comments that she made about black and brown students in the district not succeeding because their families were not as involved in their education or as invested in that, which came under a lot of fire from those communities and others. She's faced calls to step down, but she has apologized and Breed has not said that she should not run. And also one of the most contentious races for supervisor between Breed's appointee, his name is Matt Dorsey. He was a former spokesman for the police department and Breed has really been pushing for more police officers lately, more police budget. So they align on that. And he is running against another city hall insider who formerly um, worked for the previous supervisor of that district. And so people are lining up on both sides of that race. So how voters decide on Breed's appointees may be a measure of how voters feel about her policies in general. Let's talk about some of the ballot measures that will also have implications for her. They target hot-button issues in the city, as you mentioned earlier, including two that deal with affordable housing. Tell me about that. So these two measures are pushed by political opponents. One was Mayor Breed and her allies. It required some more uh, housing to have some more affordable units than are already required under the city charter. But it also would allow for the average of units in affordable housing to be at a higher income level. So Breed and her allies have more pushed for saying we need housing of all kinds across the city. We need to make it easier and faster. And then Breed's political opponents, some members of the Board of Supervisors and their allies came and said, no, we need just certain types of affordable housing. We need to make sure that the income threshold remains low. And we also want even more affordable units required under uh, in new projects that are created. So this has set up a political battle between these two groups. And depending on how voters go, it could indicate which direction the city is moving in. Affordable housing is always a heated topic in San Francisco. Mallory, what other themes are emerging on the November ballot that voters should keep an eye on? There's two themes that I would point out that are probably the the second and third most contentious. The second is about two battling propositions on the ballot, which is about the future of JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park. It was shut down to car traffic during the pandemic, and a lot of people really loved it. Some people really hated it. And earlier this year, 
the supervisors and Breed agreed that they should keep this close to cars and passed legislation around that. But the people who were unhappy came back and said, no, we're going to go to the ballot and try to get this back open. So now Breed needs to defend her position on that. Mm. And then finally, there's another measure which has implications for Breed and her own re-election. And that's a measure by one of her political opponents, Dean Preston, a supervisor, to switch the election year for her election from currently it's scheduled for 2023 to switch it to 2024 to line up with presidential elections. Other cities have done this, and there was a study that came out of LA that showed when you do this, voter turnout increases because people are more aware and they're coming out for bigger elections. So they think this would be good for democracy. Breed has opposed this. She said Mm. that this was a power grab by opponents and also said officially that the city should take more time to review it. So it's not quite clear yet whether this would be really good or bad for her and why she is so vehemently opposed. Depending on the outcome of this, it could potentially affect her own political future. So some big things on the ballot that voters should be aware of uh, in November. And in the meantime, there's a ton of speculation over the future of Breed's political career. And aside from the ballot itself, you know, what issues will Breed continue to be just most scrutinized over until her reelection race, whenever that may happen? One thing that I will actually add, which is a huge issue in the city, is around homelessness. And one of the election measures does actually address this. It's around whether there should be an oversight commission for the homelessness department. Breed is opposing this because she thinks it would just be bureaucratic and unhelpful. But some people who criticize what the city is doing, they say that we need this kind of oversight. So that may be a test um, on one of the major issues for Breed and for her re-election. I also mentioned public safety, which she's made a huge part of her own administration and her priorities right now. And then finally, housing, definitely, on whether we have enough housing, whether it's affordable. And of course, that is a huge issue that's coming up in the election. Mallory, lots to keep our eye on. Thank you so much for helping us understand it. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Mallory Mensch covers San Francisco City Hall for The Chronicle. Find her story about Breed and the upcoming November election online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. With the election just six weeks away, keep an eye out for The Chronicle's local voter guide, which will drop next week. Thank you to Taya Francesca Price for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> 